All right, welcome to this special series of Realtor Fight Club. So this series is called What Would You Do? And it airs every Wednesday. We are going to discuss different ethics and professional committee standards, cases, and scenarios. And I have with me here today, Rachel Real. She is the broker owner of Rachel Real Real Estate. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Jen. How are you? Great. How are you today? All righty. All right. So Rachel's going to read um, a case that she picked out for us. We'll talk about it and then we'll find out what the um, committee actually decided. All right. And then if you do want to see these in writing, um, we're going to be putting them on www.jennifermertland.com slash vault if you want to see them. All right, Rachel, let's hear it. Okay, so this case that we're going to talk about today is uh, is in regards to multiple offers being presented uh, objectively. So that relates okay. to Article 1 of the uh, Code of Ethics. So Article 1 states that when representing a buyer, seller, landlord, tenant, or other client as an agent, realtors pledge themselves to protect and promote the interests of their client. This obligation like to the honor. client, right, exactly, protect the client. <laughs> this obligation okay. to the client is primary, but it does not relieve realtors of their obligation to treat all parties honestly. So when serving a buyer, seller, landlord, tenant, or other party in a non-agency capacity, realtors remain obligated to treat all parties honestly. So okay. in this particular case, we're going to talk about, it references standard of practice 1-6, which states realtors shall submit offers and counter offers objectively and as quickly as possible. So that's, okay. that's what this case is going to center on. Okay. So this is the case here. So follow along. We got a couple different realtors, a couple different clients involved. So we'll, we'll pause and okay. group if we have to. Okay. Realtor A listed seller S's house. He filed the listing with the MLS and conducted advertising intended to interest prospective purchasers. Seller S's house was priced reasonably and attracted the attention of several potential purchasers. Okay. Buyer B learned about seller S's property from Realtor A's website called Realtor A for information and was shown the property by Realtor A several times. So we've got listing agent, seller, and buyer. And this particular okay. buyer reached out to the listing agent directly and was shown that property by the listing agent. Okay. okay. Buyer X, looking for property in the area, engaged the services of Realtor R as a buyer representative. Seller S's property was one of several Realtor R introduced to buyer X. So now we have a second buyer's agent and a second buyer. Mm -hmm. Okay. After the third showing, buyer B was ready to make an offer and requested Realtor A's assistance in writing a purchase offer. So we're talking about the first buyer and the listing agent. The dual, agent. dual agent. Yes. Okay. Realtor A helped buyer B prepare an offer and then called seller S to make an appointment to present the offer that evening. Later that same afternoon, Realtor R called Realtor A and told him he was bringing a purchase offer to Realtor A's office for Realtor A to present to seller Dang, S. what year is this? I, 1985? <laughs> uh, let's see. This Why one, didn't they uh, just 2002. It, Rachel? Because right. <laughs> 1982 called and asked for their fax machine back. <laughs> right. All right, I'm ready. So, okay, okay, so now we have the dual agent offer. Now we have also the offer we have from the other agent. That's from the other over. agent. Yes. So it. he was bringing, he, he physically drove with his little car over to Realtor A's office for Realtor A to present to seller S. Realtor A responded okay. that he would present buyer X's offer that evening. So yeah. that evening, Realtor A presented both offers to seller S for his consideration. Seller S noted that both offers were for full price and there seemed to be little difference between them. Realtor A responded, hey, I'm not telling you what to do, but you might consider that I have carefully pre-qualified right. buyer B. <laughs> but 
Yes. There's no question, but that she'll get the mortgage she'll need to buy your house. Frankly, I don't know what, if anything, Realtor R has done to pre-qualify his client. I hope he'll be able to get the mortgage, but you never can tell. Things can get complicated when a buyer representative gets involved. They make all sorts of demands for their clients and closings can be delayed. You don't want that, do you? Things are almost always simpler when I sell my own listings, he concluded. Yeah, I know where this is going. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Seller S, agreeing with Realtor A's reasoning, accepted buyer B's offer and the transaction closed shortly thereafter. Okay. So they accepted the dual agency. They accepted the dual agency offer based on what that listing slash buyer's agent told the, 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 uh, the seller. Upset okay. that his purchase offer hadn't been accepted, buyer X called seller S directly and asked, just to satisfy my curiosity, why didn't you accept my full price offer to buy your house? Seller S explained that he accepted another full price offer, had been concerned about buyer X being able to obtain the necessary financing, and had been concerned about delays in closing if a buyer representative were also involved in the transaction. Buyer X shared seller S's comments with Realtor R the next day. Realtor Mm -hmm. R, in turn, filed an ethics complaint alleging that Realtor A's comments had intentionally cast buyer X's offer in an unflattering light, and that his comments about buyer representatives hindering the closing process had been inaccurate and unfounded, and that Realtor A's representation of the offer had been subjective and biased and in violation of Article 1 as interpreted by Standard of Practice 1-6. At the hearing, Realtor A tried to justify his comments, noting that although he had no personal knowledge of buyer X's financial wherewithal, and while he hadn't had a bad experience dealing with represented buyers, it was conceivable that an overzealous buyer representative could raise obstacles that might delay a closing. In response to Realtor R's questions, Realtor A acknowledged that his comments to seller S about buyer X's ability to obtain financing and the delays that might ensue if a buyer representative were involved were essentially speculation and not based on fact. What's that? Can you read the article again? Article one. So yes, article one says, when representing a buyer, seller, landlord, tenant, or other client as an agent, realtors pledge themselves to protect and promote the interests of their client. This obligation to the client is primary, but it does not relieve realtors of their obligation to treat all parties honestly. When serving a buyer, seller, landlord, tenant, or other party in a non-agency capacity, realtors remain obligated to treat all parties honestly. And the standard of practice that they cited in this complaint was 1-6, which is realtors shall submit offers and counteroffers objectively and as quickly as possible. So then, okay. So the question is, is was it submitted objectively? It doesn't sound like it was. Right, right. You have the, you have the issue here of the listing agent trying to direct their seller to accepting an offer that they presented from the, on behalf of their buyer, you know, making them a dual agent um, by making some remarks about whether or not the other agent's buyer would have been qualified and maybe put, right. putting that in a not so great light. And it's also not based in any Right. It's not based in, right. The reality is, yeah, the reality is, is there are, there are like, I would think that you're allowed to share experiences if asked and the lender is allowed to contact the agent regarding the buyer's ability to close and things like that and say what they've done. 
Yes, definitely. Right. There's definitely no issue with a lender reaching out or an agent having a lender reach out and say, hey, just, you know, I wanted to touch base with you on, on the, the offer that my clients presented. You know, do you have any questions on their qualification? Do you have any questions on how far we are into the process? Those kind of things. Um, as far as an agent sharing an experience, you really tiptoe on the lines of whether or not that becomes a, an, a violation of Article 15, which would be making false or misleading statements or disparaging remarks about other professionals, other real estate professionals. So I'm surprised they didn't choose that one and they chose the other one, right? Or You know, yeah, I mean, this one I think is more, they didn't have any evidence to say, hey, you know, this was a false or misleading statement that just that their experience made that presentation of that offer not so objective. But I think that that certainly could be something that that is possible. But I also think if you're an agent and you've had multiple bad experiences with a specific lender and this and this buyer, a buyer happened to have this lender, too, you would be doing your client a disservice if you did not mention it. Right. You can definitely make I, I have definitely shared experiences in the you know, with about lenders, but it's mm-hmm. the it's the issue with sharing experiences that may not be so great about other agents, which can become problematic. So when we, when we're sitting down with a seller and multiple offers, you can certainly say, Hey, this offer came in with what a pre-approval true? Um, I know, believe me, I've had to bite my tongue a whole lot of times. <laughs> I <laughs> whole mean, lot of times. what if like, right. and you know, cause I could, know, I could certainly, the barrier to entry. I could certainly defend myself <laughs> mm-hmm. by saying, Hey, show me that none of this is true. And I'll be glad to take it back. But you know, but that, that's a road I don't really want to go down. Uh, but you can certainly sit there and evaluate all the offers and say, hey, this one came from a really reputable lender that has a really good track record of getting things done. You know, their pre-approvals are worth the paper they're written on versus this one came from Bank of America or Chase. Or it even one of those says, that, that just isn't, that can't do wow. it. Wow. You just yeah. put it out there. Oh, or it, it even well, says. Your, your neighborhood banks are really not great at mortgages. They're great at, they're great right. at, at retail banking, but they're not great at mortgages. Yeah. Yeah. You can even like read the letter and say they checked the income, Absolutely. they checked all this stuff that it wasn't just hearsay and go from there. Right. I think Absolutely. so based on, well, and also too, it brings up something you had said, we had talked about in a previous episode. Um, if you, I guess, did the other agent know they were in multiple offers? They may not have known. It didn't state on there. It didn't and they, appear it, that they know. Right. They, yeah. they may not have known. Right. So again, if you're if you're in the market that most of us are in right now too, we're seeing a whole lot of multiple offers and a whole lot of, you know, having to beat people down at the door just to get in. Um, so mm-hmm. there's there's certainly things you can do as a buyer's agent to position your clients in a better in a better position to get their offer accepted and you know, when you're mm-hmm. attending with multiple offers. Yeah. I think in this to me it it seems pretty cut and dry that they violated the code. Right. What do right. you think? Well, here, I'll tell you what the hearing panel decided. So the hearing panel concluded that Realtor A's comments and overall presentation had not been objective as required by standard of practice 1-6 and found the Realtor A in violation of Article 1. So yes, yeah. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I think there's way, like it was, based on how this how it was written it was obvious i think right but like we talked about there's also ways of saying there's a track record but you can still present that objectively and in light of helping the client versus 
just trying this one seemed like they were just trying to be a dual agent which is they, not they definitely right the they definitely right and that's that's mm -hmm. the thing and i i struggle with the fact that most most education that the public gets about dual agency or that scenario in general is comes from the person who's looking to be a dual agent themselves that listing agent Mm -hmm. Therefore, it's always going to be skewed to go to. to, to oh, yeah. I love the agency. Right. <laughs> it's right. not. Well, I think it depends on. I mean, we've done a podcast on that dual agency before. I think it really right. depends on. It depends on you as an agent and it depends on your right. clients. But it in, in and of itself, it is not an issue. In some states, it's illegal. But in the states that are right. not illegal, then it is not an issue. I don't know. That's an interesting one because. I guess we can all, you know, we are people. And so sometimes if we do have bad experiences with other agents or we have bad experiences with lenders, it can be difficult to, to bite your tongue because yes. unless you know for sure that that is, that is a regular case or a one-off. Right. Right. And that's, that's where it gets hard to bite your tongue because you've, you know, you've, you don't want to insert your own personal thoughts and your own personal opinions into to a seller's, you know, evaluation of multiple offers. They're looking at it as it's a financial right. transaction. Of course, our job is to make it smooth and make sure that we do as much as we can to make sure that well, it's, it's smooth always and smoother. If I'm a dual agent, Rachel, <laughs> I wouldn't, I don't, I wouldn't disagree with that. Right. From an administrative <laughs> standpoint, like that guy referenced in that first one, that agent referenced, Hey, you know, it can get a little crazy when you have a buyer's agent that might be overzealous might have, you know, you've got a whole nother set of people involved yeah so from a from an administrative and logistical standpoint it is most certainly easier when you're when you're handling all of that as one agent um, but yeah the challenge becomes being objective and fair yeah well that was a good one so um yes. rachel if you do business in chicago illinois i do i do yes if um people wanted to send you a referral or they have a question for you what is the best way to get a hold of you so you can always reach me by cell phone at 630-542-8688 or via email at rachelreal at gmail.com. Or you can reach me at Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash rachelrealestate. And that's Rachel with A-E-L. You know, I thank my mother for that every day. <laughs> Most of my <laughs> emails awesome. go into a black hole. <laughs> <laughs> just call her. It's right, better. just call me. It's easier. <laughs> call or text is always good. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being on as always. Thank you. Thanks, Jen. Have a good one. You too.